Welcome to Strip It Back, the podcast which helps to simplify life and live in the moment with Joanne Panetta and Renee Talia. Welcome back, everybody, to Strip It Back, Season 2, another fabulous episode coming up for you all. How are you today, Renee? I am feeling so good. Sun's out. Little small win already for today. Can't wait. Now, I'm thrilled um, to hand over the introduction rights to our next guest. We are very excited to invite this fabulous man onto our podcast. I'll hand it over to you, Renee, to introduce our podcast guest today. Yes, we have a beautiful soul joining us today and one person that has kind of popped into our life. Nothing is ever by coincidence. We know that the universe brings us people into our lives when we are in alignment and we met this best-selling author earlier this year at the Bendigo Yoga Festival and that is Ollie Doyle. Welcome to the Strip Back podcast we're so glad you're here this morning how are you um good renee and hey joanne thanks so much for having me i'm really looking forward to it oh we're thrilled we absolutely love your energy um i I, i'm gonna leave it to you ollie to describe to everybody how we interacted and how we met because um it's again no coincidence it's just pure magic uh surrendering to like-minded souls but um, yeah, Ollie, would you like to introduce, I guess, a little bit of how we met and um, kind of what brings you to strip it back today? Yeah, well, there's a bit of backstory to it, of course, as you know, but um, I'd just separated from my wife of, well, we've been together about 18 years, um, so since very young, like a week before, and then a friend who I'd been chatting to got me a free ticket to uh, the yoga festival. And so I'd gone along and I think you, you two were in the, the cacao ceremony and a um, bit of ecstatic dance and a few bits and pieces that was really fun. And then I was out outside, you know, just sitting in the sun and saw these three women just trying to get a, photo in front of the yoga festival sign and, uh, and trying to get a photo of all three of them. And I think you were doing it for your Instagram. And so I just went up and said, Hey, do you want some help to, do you want me to take a photo of all three of you? And then we started chatting. I don't know how, what we started chatting about, but you said you were doing it for your podcast. And I said, I've got a podcast. And then we started talking and then, wow. And then we met for coffee. Was it the next day? Mm. And just, talked about and you know talked to to you Joanne about you know your own journey and all all that you'd learned and then I started listening to the podcast and um yeah it was just really like you say it's no coincidence but it's still every time those kind of things happen they they just spin me out a bit that you'd been like you were a few years ahead of me on the same kind of journey and that we're, you know, we're interested in such similar things and just how, I don't know, I'm not, like, I'm not someone who would, is often kind of would do that all the time. Um, but when I just saw you there, I was like, oh, they look like they need some help. <laughs> <I'm going. laughs> well, I mean, you were doing a fine job, obviously. <laughs> and you had your, your manager, you had your manager there 
That's know? right. Yeah, Jacqueline, she, she's, forever, she's forever labelling that. She's like, yeah, I am the orchestrator of all of that. <laughs> Just saying, you know, Jacqueline Smith, shout yeah, out to you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, so yeah. Oh, so cool. And that. you're right. I could see that. <laughs> mm. It, yeah, it, it really was. was. That, um, yeah, the fact that we just started talking about that and, that, yeah, it was it was really interesting talking to you both then and, and next day and um, and then obviously the idea came of, well, let's let's get together and and talk for the podcast and, yeah, here we are. But it was, it was definitely one of those spin-out kind of moments. Oh, synchronicity. I love it. And that was just one of those things that happened just before we went into this special time. So, so excited. Yeah. <laughs> it really was. I feel that was my last little, you know, hurrah outing. Um, but it's so beautiful that we can connect mm. like this. And for our mm. listeners and to get a real sense of, of who you are, what would be three words that you would, I guess, describe yourself as a person? Three words. Well, that's I, I talk a lot, so it's really hard. But I, I would know. say we know. We know. Um, three we, words we that it. are really. Oh. <laughs> so three words that are really important to me. If I said that would be learning, peace, and fun. Mm. And I think for me, they're the three three keys in in life. Is always learning, enjoy everything as much as you can. And find that, find that um, inner peace. Absolutely. So we get you to unpack one of those with us now. I feel like um, they're all going. Yeah. I love those words for you because I feel like they are really intertwined in how you live. And we kind of at the beginning yeah. mentioned that you and your work is really around learning and continual learning. Can you tell people a little bit about, you know, what, what you do around mindfulness? Because for me that mm. has been absolutely beautiful to really get into your books and know that it's, it's a continual growing and learning from oneself. Mm. So for people that maybe it, it is a buzzword yeah, well, mindfulness. I guess that it is, yeah. It is, and um, I think it's easy because we have such a, a kind of culture of self-improvement in our Western culture, which is, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's a, um, a lot of self-improvement culture, I think, stems from a sense of lack and a sense of we're not, none of us are quite good enough as we are, and so we need to get better. And so, you know, a lot of those kind of, meditation mindfulness type practices that have come out of um you know traditions not just eastern traditions but traditions all over the world of people really trying to get still and go inside and figure out like what the hell is going on here like who am i <laughs> and what what am i and um you know those in those traditions you know these practices are about discovering what's already there and learning more about yourself as you already are Whereas I think so much of our, um, how that's translated into our Western culture is about like, how do I become a better person and how do I be perfect? And I'm not perfect now, so I want to learn these practices so that I can be, be a better person. 
Um, and so that's definitely where I started my journey was I was, you know, not happy and I thought that meditation would fix it. And I thought that it would just shut up that voice in my head that was just droning on and on and that it would, I particularly, I think, thought that it would allow me to escape from emotions that I didn't want to feel. And so that was really my goal when I started was I don't want to feel these things and I don't want this voice in my head droning on. So I'm going to do meditation and it's all going to be quiet and peaceful and nice. And then when I started doing it, it's like, oh, my God, it's getting worse. (laughs) (laughs) I love this because there are Um, so many people that would say, I'm not doing meditation right. mm, And and you just left to that. So how, what would you say yeah. to those people, that, given that you just said it got a little louder? <laughs> it got louder. And I, I usually say that is expect that, is that the thoughts will get, will seem to get louder or busier because you're actually noticing them. It's not mm. just background noise that's actually running your life without you knowing it. It's you're bringing it to conscious awareness. Um, and so I sometimes talk about, most people's normal state I call unconscious insanity where you're you're insane you're completely run by that voice but you don't know it so it doesn't seem like a problem and so when you start to practice you you move into conscious insanity where you go oh no I'm insane (laughs) and it seems like it's got got worse but actually you're just becoming aware of it um so when I, when I started, I was like, this meditation thing sucks. Like it's my, it's getting worse. All these, I have to feel all these feelings. I was trying to avoid them and now I have to feel them. Like, come on, it's supposed to be all like peace and enlightenment and harmony and, and all of this. And it's just like total mess. Um, so yeah, when, so I think for, for people listening or if I'm teaching people, I always say you can't do it wrong. There's no doing it wrong because you're just learning to pay attention to what's happening instead of either being lost in your head or you know, being controlled by your thought processes. So there's no way that you can do that wrong. Um, and that, you know, when you start, you will notice how much time you spend lost in your head. and that's that's not new. It's just like now you're becoming aware of it. Um, so I didn't have anyone when I started, I didn't have anyone to tell me that. Um, so I became really discouraged initially and I tried to quit meditation several times. Um, and I thought, no, nah, I'm just going to go back to just, I'm just going to go back to watching TV and just being normal. That's, that's the life for me. <laughs> and then, that might last a week and then be like, oh, this TV thing's really not that satisfying. I'm not, this doesn't feel like where I need to go. Um, but it took, yeah, it took a few goes to actually go, all right, I have to actually look at this stuff. I have to actually feel these things. Like, let's get it, let's get it done sort of thing. And once, mm-hmm. once that kind of turned, it was, it was so much easier once there was a commitment to, all right, whatever comes up, I'm just going to experience it. But yeah, initially it was, 
there was a lot of um, resistance to that and a lot of struggle for sure. Can I just say how bloody refreshing to hear what an honest journey you've been on. Like there is something so liberating and I'm nodding away, laughing (laughs) along. Like there will be so many people listening going, okay, so, oh my God, like he's an author of mindfulness books. He's a conscious man. And, oh, he he must wear robes for sure. Like, and here you are like (laughs) stripping it all back, stripping it all back to this journey of like the real deal of getting out of your own head and just having a crack at something so refreshing. Like I feel so energized Mm. just by that because Mm. there is such a stigma. You said it at the start of the interview, like there's such a stigma around betterment. I'm not good enough. So I'm going to do something to make myself better. Be the Mm. best version of yourself. Like, you know, you you just stripped all that away, Mm. which is just so refreshing. And, um, yeah, just just really, really great. I had to just jump in there and comment because, you know, I know so many people that are starting out on this journey of exactly like you or, you know, this TV thing isn't really serving me or, you know, I've got a bit going on in my world and it's not right. So what else can I be doing? That, that initial jump or mm-hmm. leap of stepping out of the fear and into the mindset of abundance mm-hmm. versus lack like you've just nailed it. So thank you very much for sharing. So honestly, yeah. it was great. Really and cool. with, with that, you yeah, know, well, we've I, come... I think... Go, sorry, Ollie. I was just going to say, when I started learning my, like that, this was in 2002, 2003, somewhere around then. And so it was like what the, the learning was, like the YouTube wasn't around. There was... That's probably MySpace, but I don't think um, a lot of spiritual teachers were on there. <laughs> um, and, and so it was like, um, it was even pre, I think, Amazon really being a thing in Australia. So the access to um, teachings was really, really limited. Like there was internet, but it was for people who remember back when you used to, you know, click, uh, you used to type in a web address and then you'd like go and make a cup of tea and, um, you know, come back. People now would be losing their minds, but or you'd be, you know, you couldn't use the phone and the internet at the same time. It's back in those days, and um, so the book I could get was the by Dalai Lama, and um, he's obviously amazing. You know, done done some amazing work and and amazing teacher, but he was such a um, lofty kind of role model that seemed so far away from you know culturally from where I was at in terms of my journey that it was just like you know looking at someone that's just kind of up in the clouds and going well that's that just seems so so unrealistic so you know when when I've written my books or when I teach try to be really clear that I'm not I'm not like that person i'm just someone who's been doing this journey for a little while and might know where a few of the potholes are that i fell into and might be able to save you a few little side trips um but yeah i think that that culture of of betterment that you talk about is and and there's so much you can get so caught up in now you know when i was learning there was um hardly any teachings I had access to, but now people have the opposite problem where you can fill your life with 
all different teachings that look spiritual, but actually they're just a replacement for for Netflix because you you can just avoid looking inside by doing all these different kind of spiritually looking things that are you know designed to help you look inside, but you can you can use them as a distraction now as well. I think that's something that's kind of a new problem, whereas I had the kind of opposite when I started. I love that you've touched on this because there is a lot out there at the moment. We're forced to, in the way we're living, to be still in the physical sense, but there's still all this busyness happening up in the mind sense. And you only have to look online to see one thing being like, oh, do this. Oh, why don't you try that? And in that sense, it can seem quite overwhelming at the moment. Um, what would you suggest to people if they're really wanting to, they're noticing now we've, we've been in this special time for a little while, they're noticing that the TV's not serving them much anymore or they realise they need something other than the TV. I mean, we all love having a, having a little movie time or whatever it is, keeping it real. What would you suggest to them as a starting point to check in with themselves? Um. Look, I always find for me, I favour things that are really simple, um, like teachings that are really simple and teachings that um, support me to look inside. So if they're, if the teaching's really complicated or it's encouraging me to um, look elsewhere or I'm just getting lost in that, then I'll kind of shy away from those teachings so i think i think it's important to you know shop around a little bit in terms of there's a lot of different you know traditions and teachings and teachers out there and find what works for you um but i i kind of check if i'm reading a book or i'm listening to something i check where my attention is and if i notice that it's drawing my attention away into fantasy or away into thinking then that's probably not helpful. But if I'm reading a book and as I read it, I can really feel my breath and I can feel my body and I'm just feeling more and more grounded as I read or as I listen, then that's what, like, I kind of listen to my body around that and say, this is really helping me. Or is it, yeah, if you're watching, listening to something and it either it feels really daunting or it feels like oh, I've got to do all this work now or it's um, just drawing your attention away from your own experience now and say that's probably a signal to say you know move on how refreshing that really? mm. oh yes, totally definitely it's just like what resonates with you and what's going to resonate with me might not be the same as what's resonating with mm. you joanne and it's really mm. coming back mm. to how do you feel so a teacher that might feel really good for each of us could be completely different. And that's where the abundance mentality really lives. You know, there's not one answer and what feels for you inside. Love that. Mm. Mm. I think, I think what I got out of that was this whole idea of when it's no longer serving you within, um, mm. I really, I, I was like, that's a really great mm. and succinct way to explain something. So if we're talking about, um, you know, I'm of the belief that we are our own universe, we are our own mm. divine being. There's, you know, certainly are beautiful energetic bodies around us that can provide that, but we are our own genius, really? yeah, our own vessel for magic. So mm. the minute you start um, focusing the attention too far outside of that vessel, 
I have to agree with you, Ollie. It's like, mm. oh, this is just, this is beautiful. And I'm, I'm really glad that that may resonate with some people, but it's just not serving me. And that whole body, yes, like that feeling, that intuition into your system, like being in touch with yourself, being able to see, see and feel and think, oh, yeah, this is for me or it's not. So mm. I love it. So I guess, I guess for me, my, my mind now goes to, so you were, you know, in a position where, there wasn't a lot of, uh, I guess, material available. You talked about the potholes. You talked about, I guess, being a voice and a vessel for people to be able to access meditation and mindfulness more than anything um, through, I guess, you know, stripping it back. How perfect. You then went and just did, you know, just kind of wrote a book or something. Like, can you, can you unpack this, you know, thing that you did? Like, wow. You know, not just one. Me. Not just yeah. one. I know. I'm like, mind blown. When you said that to me, I was like, I was meant to meet you. I was totally meant to meet you on so many levels. But tell us a little bit about, I guess, because this is obviously your genius and your creative mastery, like putting all that you've learned into a beautiful little, I guess, gift for the world. Mm. Can you tell us a little bit about the journey to, um, I guess, writing your books, plural? <laughs> yeah. Well. Um, so I went through that sort of confusion and that, um, this period of trying to work out meditation and what I was supposed to do. Um, and even then, like there wasn't heap of teaching around, but I read some books where there might be a different meditation at the end of each chapter and they're all slightly different. And I found I'd like sit down and go, oh, well, I do this one tonight oh, and I'll do that one. And I might start doing one and then go, oh, I don't really like this. I'm going to switch to another one. And so there was no kind of depth or, or grounding in that practice. And then I started, um, I just stumbled across um, Zen Buddhism through, again, a series of, of random events. And um, really, that really made sense to me, that just the simplicity of that, of really just um, tuning back into your own body and your own being and you know trusting in that to to teach you rather than looking for it elsewhere and so I started um, doing some Zen retreats with a group down in um, Melbourne and the teacher there just said you know this is how you sit you know hold your back straight hold your hands like this and then just breathe and so I was like oh yeah cool and then I was like, but, and then what do I do? He's like, no, just breathe. <laughs> and that was really it. And the realisation that, okay, I'm just, he's saying just breathe, but he's saying just breathe, just pay attention to that. Don't be lost in your head. Don't be thinking about what's next. Don't be worrying about what happened. Um, just breathe. Just feel, you know, if there's pain there, just feel pain. If there's, um, you know, boredom there, just just experience boredom and when that that penny just kind of dropped for me that okay I'm just shifting attention from this thinking process into experience noticing my actual experience into awareness and so when that um like that was probably a um four-year journey for me and when it kind of clicked and I was like, oh, why didn't someone just tell me that at the start? Because that's really easy. Like I can 
sit here, like we can sit here now and you can notice what it feels like to breathe. It's really easy. It's not, <laughs> it's not complex at all. And so when it clicked, I was like, oh, I was, a, I was a bit pissed off actually. I was like, all these people have been running me around doing all this other crazy stuff and that was all I needed to do. And when I, when I really um, started doing that consistently, um, my experience changed like really quickly and I was really surprised at how, how much kind of peace and stability came so quickly through doing that and just letting the thoughts and the feelings be as they were, not trying to control them, but just really um, focusing on where my attention was going. And so I started trying to share that with friends who were interested because friends, some friends started saying to me, like, what happened to you? Because you were pretty, you know, we liked you, but you were a bit mad and now you're not. So like, what, <laughs> what went on there? <laughs> and so I started, I started telling people and like, oh, you got to come down to the Zen Center. You got to come to the Zen Center. It's great. And people just wouldn't come. And I was like, oh, why is that? And I, I thought that maybe it was, the, the cultural aspects of those things, you know, like tea ceremonies and chanting and things like that, people will kind of shy away from. And so I started trying to teach some friends just in their, in their um, flat in Brunswick. And I started just trying to teach them how to meditate. And, um, and I started writing, writing some of it down. And then a friend helped me make a website, which was really cool. And then, I started writing just little, like they, I didn't even know what a blog was then, but they were probably just little blog posts about how to, how to practice. And my friend said, oh, that's really good. You should write a book. And I was like, okay, I'll write a book. So I just started writing. So I, <laughs> it sounds funny, but I, I just it. went, I had no idea about writing. I had no idea about word counts, what it should look like. I just went, oh, well, I'll just figure out, like, what would the chapters be if I was going to write a book? And so I kind of just, this idea popped into my head, this rough structure. And then um, I, yeah, I just started writing. And then I, I changed jobs around that time and I shifted from full-time to um, casual. And so I, had the, I started having these periods of not much work and um my i must have had some money in the bank i don't know how that worked but anyway my um, son first child my son had just been born and so we were you know i was i had a, had this time on my hands and i just thought oh well i've got time then i should just write and so it just kind of came out over maybe six months or nine months this this book kind of emerged and I, I thought um, like everyone probably does. Well then once you write a book, I guess you ask someone to publish it and then just see what happens. And, but it was right around the time that self publishing became a thing and Kindle was really taking off. And so I just started looking at that and found that you could, if you had a, you know, a PDF that was well enough formatted, you could just self publish on Amazon and they would do, they'd print your paperbacks on demand so you didn't have to buy, you know, 10,000 of them like the old days and then try to sell them or store them. And so I just, um, you know, got it kind of good enough to publish 
and yeah, kind of did that first edition myself. And then a couple of years later, like it didn't, like it sold copies here and there and I, I sold, I gave them to people at workshops and it was just kind of a fun thing. And then a couple of years later, I was looking at stats on Amazon and noticed that I was selling more copies in the UK than in Australia. And I thought, that's interesting. And it was like, like we're talking like two copies a day. We're not talking like I was Stephen King or anything. But um, I was, I thought, oh, I wonder what would happen if I just made it really cheap. So I made it like, I don't know, 99 pence for the ebook or something. And the sales took off and then I was selling like five copies a day, which to me was like, wow, <laughs> five copies a day, that's amazing. And I just really wanted to get the book out there to as many people as possible. But then I, I started kind of playing with, with pricing and doing a bit more promotion in the UK and ended up selling, like, sold quite a few copies over there. I can't even remember how many, but quite a few thousand and it might be 20,000. And I got, just got an email one day from um, someone from Orion Publishing saying, hey, we're looking for um, self-published mindfulness books that um, we could, you know, publish mainstream and I really liked your book and would you be interested? And that was kind of how I ended up published. And then they wanted another book and then I managed to sell them on another three books after that, um, the Mindful Living series. And so within, you know, from selling a couple of copies a day to having like five, five books in the world was only like a couple of year process kind of thing. Um, but it was like everything that happened in there, every time, it's interesting because you two are like this, but every time I try to make something happen, it doesn't work. <laughs> and every time I just go, I'll just put it out in the world and see what happens. Then this stuff like, you know, cause you're meant to go and get an agent and you're meant to work really hard. You're meant to do all this stuff. I wasn't doing any of that. And I just got an email from someone saying, and I actually got an email from two different publishers in the same maybe fortnight saying they both wanted to, you know, buy my book. And I was like, wow. And then the, it's interesting because then the ego kind of jumps in and goes, all right, well, imagine if we work really hard at this, we could really make this into something. And then as soon as I go down that path, it's like it all stalls and it all kind of, kind of stops working. So that's one of the things I've really noticed over the years is, yeah, I mean, nothing wrong with working hard, but working hard with a sense of like, I'm doing it for its own sake and it's fun and I'm doing it because I like it and whatever happens, happens. Um, but letting go of that sense of, right, this is the outcome, which I think, you know, so much of our culture and especially around self-improvement, someone wrote a book about how amazing they are or how many things they sold or how and how they did it and then we try to copy that whereas you know what what I like doing and and you know listening to you two is that well do it just do what feels right because it you enjoy it and because it feels right and put your energy into it and just let the rest take take care of itself so you know yeah it sounds like you say I wrote five books and it sounds really amazing but it's, it's really a kind of been a fairly mundane kind of process of just these little things happening and the, these little steps along the way. 
and you mm. know getting up early and riding a bit each day i love this i love that <laughs> the synchronicity that just aligned someone saw your book and made that offering you to say does this feel good for me to keep going with this it it lights me up i enjoy it oh that's that's music to my ears and we are here because joanne and i thought exactly that let's just have it we love hanging out and chatting with each other why not chat and then bring on other beautiful humans so Mm. surrendering from the head and into the heart and stop with the outcome like I just could not have resonated with what you said more and you know I do want to acknowledge you though Ollie because you're like oh yeah it's kind of mundane and but there's really power in um in like-minded souls and people who understand the importance of surrendering to I guess the magic but there is an element of structure and there is an element of you tuning into that genius to be able to create that so I will acknowledge you and let me tell you your book mindful parenting I'm not a parent but as the well-being person at my school it has been an absolute perler and I've been recommending it to lots of families so um, it's been really great to just, I guess it's a stripped back version of, you know, even as an educator, like it's really helpful. So yeah, there's just so much I could say about all of that, but I think you've nailed it beautifully that, that act of, um, surrender and trusting that innate ability that we have doing something we love and strip it back is exactly an example of that for us. And we sit there the other day, we're like, oh my goodness, like there's like over a thousand, like you know people and subscriptions and we're just like how and we're like of course like because it's fun and we love it and um yeah and thank you again for yeah. taking the time to chat with us it's great um one thing i wanted to ask you ollie is you touched on um i guess some some events and things happening in your life that drove you to be able to come to the point that you are now uh, you and i've spoken really openly about our very similar journeys being married young um surrendering i guess our a bit of our our own identity to being someone's husband or someone's wife i think that was my favorite conversation that we had i think mm. i was having a milkshake and you had a chai that's right um and you know just this whole act of you know knowing <laughs> oneself and the journey that you go on to come to who you are today. Do you have any pearls of wisdom? Um, and I'm going to play to the fact that you are a man and that you are channeling more masculine energy because you are a man. The men of the world of, you know, I guess, uh, going through change and finding themselves after possibly divorce or another thing. Have you got some pearls of wisdom to share with our listeners? Um. I think what I was thinking when we were talking before about how do you find the teaching that resonates and we were talking about really listening to your body and and tuning, like getting used to tuning into what's right for you and what's not. And when you were talking about that, reflecting that back to me, I was thinking that that's just as relevant in, um, in relationships as well and could be in, you know, jobs or in whatever you do in your life. and I think on reflection, when um, when my marriage ended, which was a couple of months back, it was it was really interesting to see, yeah, how much energy was had gone into building an identity around you know being a, a husband, and also how much energy went into trying to just make the relationship work. 
and you know we have a really good relationship now and obviously we you know we've got kids together and um we're getting on really well and the the ending of the marriage has been um like a gift for both of us and i think it's probably that's probably pretty unique where there's not one of us who's going i wish we could have it back we're both like oh that's we're really glad that we made that decision um but I think I was so invested in trying to make it work and had so much belief around how marriages, you know, you should stick them out and you should make them work and, you, you know, it's a commitment and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's, they're all really good sentiments. But if you get, it's like anything, if you become a fundamentalist about it and then you kind of start um, losing touch with, you know what's actually what actually works for you and what's important and what feels right in your journey and i mean you don't want to be flipping about ending marriages or ending relationships or or any of those things but i think in hindsight we were both putting a, a whole lot of energy into trying to make something work that just wasn't right for either of us and so you know stepping out of that and realizing that I had really lost touch with myself and wasn't, didn't have a good relationship with myself in lots of ways in terms of listening to what was important to me in terms of, you know, spending time doing things that really energize me or that I really enjoy. And in terms of really connecting with people that I wanted to connect with. And so I think for me, the challenge was then, you know, when something's ending and there's a grieving process, um, being able to honour that but also being able to um, embrace, once I embrace the possibilities of, you know, whether it's single life or, you know, we're doing shared, obviously shared parenting and having time with the kids, being able to parent just how I want to parent and having time without the kids where, you know, I can totally do what I want to do and embracing those um, opportunities really just shifted my energy and so many um, you know so many opportunities have opened up because of that but you know those opportunities aside just the feeling of yeah I want to um, my relationship with me is primary and you know I think for a lot of men a lot of people full stop but for a lot of men our, um, we don't have that strong, you know, we haven't done that self-awareness work always and we don't always have that solid relationship with ourselves. So we end up using relationships with others as, you know, kind of proxy or as a replacement for that um, self, self-love or self-relationship. I don't mean self-love like a, some kind of new agey thing, but I just mean really being connected with yourself, knowing what, what works for you, what's important to you. And I think we often have these kind of, yeah, replacement relationships that mean we don't have to be kind of emotionally aware. We don't have to be in touch with ourselves. And so I think those, you know, when those external relationships break down, it's a really good opportunity to actually, you know, get in touch with ourselves and, I think for men who don't, who are listening and going, well, how the hell do I do that? Like, 
um, you know, I've had friends going through similar similar journeys who haven't had the the luxury of learning what I've learned over my life, um, but who found you know really good counsellors or found you know friends who they can talk to and who can support them to to do that work. Because um, I think yeah, there's a for a lot of men it can they if they go more into trying to control things and trying to um, or trying to get relationships back or make them be be how they want them to be, um, then it's really unhealthy. And obviously, you know, we know there's lots of situations where it becomes unsafe as well for for their loved ones. Um, but I think if you know if men particularly can get the support to actually tune into their own emotions, to honour their own, you know, their own grief and to, you know, embrace the opportunities to to learn something new about themselves and about the world, then, you know, there's, there's so much opportunity once we open up to it. Um, but I, I know that in that moment of things ending, and you probably say that too, Joanne, sometimes in that moment of things ending, it just feels overwhelming. You just want it back mm. to, you just want to go back to normality. Back to safety, back to what we know. Mm. Mm. But we know that with that hard work. Yeah, and back to that picture the evolution. Of, yeah, back to that, I think back to that picture of what my future looks like and mm-hmm. that I know what my future looks like mm. and that when, when things end, and I mean people are experiencing that now anyway in the world, but that exactly. sense of what, what the hell is going to be happening in a month Whereas, you know, you're like, well, we're going to do this and then we've got this holiday planned and then we're going to have kids or we're going to do that. And then when that rug's pulled out, it's, it feels really unstable, but it's also, you know, there's like I've probably had more growth and more learning in the last couple of months than, you know, I had for a really long time. Mm. And I think that one of the things that I kind of committed to was, well, you know, whatever happens in the future in terms of relationships or whatever, I don't, I, I want to stay in this growth and this learning because that's what feels right. And I don't, you're probably the same, Joanne, I don't want to go back to trading that for some sense of stability or safety. Amen, sister. Yeah, whole and complete <laughs> on my own. <laughs> whole and complete on your own. Um, I think the analogy of just find someone who can be the icing to your banana bread. I think I've said that a couple of times before. Feeling whole and complete in your own journey. And, you know, if you can find some amazing icing or chocolate sprinkles or whatever it is that just takes it to the next level, awesome. If not, the banana bread on its own is bloody great. <laughs> That was very Aussie. Bloody great. Bloody great. (laughs) Thank you so much, Ollie. That was such a a nice way to, I guess, link back to this time that we're going through at the moment and and impacting change. So, yeah, certainly. Oh, I feel like we could keep talking for another hour, don't you, Renee? I do. I do. I do want to ask one more question, though, before we do um, start to wrap things up, because you have mentioned your your children too. And... uh, I think this is a beautiful time to get into, you do schooling with your children very differently. Uh, And we had that discussion when we had our little brunch together. 
And that's where most parents are finding themselves at the moment is homeschooling. How are you finding it at the moment? And is it any different to what you were already doing? Um, well, I think a lot of, when I talk to homeschool parents, a lot of people are calling it isolation schooling because um, most people's way of homeschooling is very community focused and very connected and you do rely a lot on, you know, things like libraries and playgrounds and community groups and other, you know, other families um, for so much of the learning that happens. Um, so I think a lot of home education is really learning through doing and learning yes. through relationship and through connection. Um, so I think for, you know, for us, not having the structure of, of a school is not a different thing, um, but you know, losing access to friends and family and community kind of resources is quite a big, big change still. Um, so I know my kids are really they're all over because today is a review day in Victoria for um, restrictions, and so my ten-year-old's all over that and knows today's the day he kind of finds out what what the next steps are and um you know kids have got birthdays coming up and they're wanting to have friends over so it's all those kind of those kind of things um but i, I think we're pretty lucky in that i my other work my my regular job is kind of largely work from home anyway and it's largely outside of hours um so i've been been pretty blessed in that sense and yeah, the kids are fairly used to having days at home and not needing that kind of externally enforced structure in order to to kind of keep their their sanity. Um, but I think it's a good opportunity um, for either for parents or as a society to think about well, what is what is school actually for, and what do we want? What is education for, and what what do we want to? Um, <laughs> You're both happy dancing there. <laughs> you, know, we're, you know, what do we want to create? And I think, like, my view of education, whether it's home education or it's in schools, is um, we should think about what kind of um, what kind of humans we want our children to be when they, you know, I don't think you ever finish learning, but when you get through to that, to a stage of independence and some of the some of the important things for me are around, you know, I want my children to um, be emotionally intelligent, to be able to empathise with others, to be able to communicate, to be able to um, challenge authority, I think is really important. I think compliance in, you look at societies where there's been, you know, mass um, atrocities or really terrible things happening and a lot of it's reliant on people being very compliant and polite and all of that and they're things that we deliberately try to teach in schools and I'm not sure that they're things that we should value as highly um, but wanting them to be able to cooperate with others to work with other people and to be able to think independently and create um, <clears throat> create things and solve interesting problems I think is that's kind of my some of my aims in the way that we do education at home. Um, so, and I think it's a, it's a useful time as a society where we can think about what do we want for 
our children, what are we, as a society, what do we, what kind of people do we need going forward and um, how well are our current structures supporting that? Um, because we're, you know, we're still, as you two would know, you know, we're still in very 18th, 19th century model of just based on industrialization and, and a whole bunch of things that are, that are kind of dying really quickly. And now, you know, our, all our systems are still kind of based in that world. So I think, yeah, it's a, I think it's an interesting time. And I think, you know, I've heard parents saying, oh, I didn't realise how much time at school was just like kind of wasted or was really not, like they thought that the kids were just flat out learning from when they walk in to when they walk out. But they're like, oh, there's not actually that much that they need to do in the day's work. Um, so I think it's good. It's a good time for that, but obviously, yeah, I imagine it's hugely challenging for people who are trying to work from home and help their kids learn from home, and everyone's kind of in a bit of chaos because their their routines thrown out of whack. Mm. So pretty lucky in that sense. I tell you what, Ollie, um, you don't have a choice. You have to come back because we need to do another episode purely on that like it, there's just so much to unpack and you know how how much of a voice I am starting to generate in the current system for things mm. that may need to be altered um and changed and innovated mm. oh oh I, I have so much to say <laughs> and I know Renee and I have <laughs> big plans big plans to yeah anyway watch this space yeah I'm a bit lost for words. That doesn't happen much. I know. We were happy dancing for a reason because, yeah, we obviously feel that there needs to be a shake-up and, you know, great for you to give your view on why you've chosen to always do homeschooling with your children. So thank you. And it has been a longer episode than normal. I'm going to acknowledge that, but there was just so much juiciness uh, to, you know, keep going with conversation. So we will need to get you back. But in true Strip It Back style, we must ask you our final little question for the day. And that is, you know, what is, I mean, it's our day still early here, but what's been one of your little small wins for today? A little appreciation. Um. I think like every day I just appreciate, you know, just, just waking up and, you know, looking around and just walking to the kitchen and having that cup of coffee and sitting in the sun. And there's so many, so many things that through or through um, embracing kind of this practice and, and living in a different way. It's like, you know, everything's a small win and it's not, it's not my win. It's just like a gift. And there's so many, mm. so many gifts that I was, that I had never noticed in my life kind of before this that I just appreciate so much now that's not about um, the things that are normally seen as success in our culture. That's just like the, the things that are seen as mundane I just have so much love for now. So I think everything's a is is a small win in that sense. So good. So good. So good. What about you, Joanne? 
Um, yeah, I guess for me, I can I can connect to that a lot. But uh, we had the gorgeous Philippa on um, a couple of episodes ago, and we learnt a lot from her in regards to Ayurveda. And I, my small win is that I've really stepped up my structure and my ritual around my Ayurvedic practices um, with Philippa. She's been an amazing vessel for me. And, yeah, I'm really enjoying um, that real sense of self-nurturing and self-care. So more Abhayanga, a few more beautiful natural remedies and just that beautiful ritual each morning to get my day started. So... Yeah, that's my small win for today. Yeah. And for you, Renee? For me, the one that's been popping up lately is just like laughing with yourself or at yourself for not taking it all too seriously. Um, My husband and I, who was listening back to actually one of our podcasts, said it was like, Renee, you realise the word is delve, not delvage, I must have said. And so we're chuckling (laughs) about... I really thought I nailed that and I think it's just where it's like doesn't matter what you've learned whether you have this title as a teacher or whatever it is to just be able to go oh people would have got it love it having a laugh we've been laughing about it and I've been you know bringing the incorrect word into a lot of conversations with him of late and it's been just yeah a little funny joke that's in our household human done better than perfect that's our mantra that's for sure oh what a what an absolute way to wrap up, you know. Don't take life so seriously. Have some bloody fun. Like, you know, laugh at yourself. Laugh at the people that you love. And uh, looking forward to giving you both a hug really soon. I'm excited. Mm. Before we lock up, Ollie, where can people find your books? We will list you in our show notes, but where's the best place for them to find your books? Um. Anywhere you buy books online, as I say, my publisher's UK, so if you're in the UK, so if you're in Australia, probably, you know, like your Amazons, your book depositories, um, places like that. You might Some of them you've seen local bookstores from time to time, but if you want to find one straight away, and they're all on Kindle, so you can get the e-books quick. Um, I've also got a Facebook group that's just Mindfulness with Ollie Doyle. Um, Ollie spelled O-L-I. So you can jump on there and there's, there's um, I'm on there, but there's a lot of people on there who are really supportive, lovely people who've been, who are at different stages in the journey who kind of support each other. So it's a really nice space to hang out. Um, and my website's hollydoyle.com and that's got, not the best organised website you've ever seen, but um, better you can than find perfect. on there and a bunch of, <laughs> mate, exactly, well, well, definitely. exactly. Lots of good yeah. stuff. We'll- you just have to trawl. We'll let we'll definitely add all that. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you again. It's been amazing spending this time with you both. And until next time, bye. See you soon. Thank you for tuning in to Strip It Back. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we'd really appreciate it if you could kindly leave us a review.